Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 143. And we're especially going to look at verse 10. But Psalm 143, beginning at verse 1. Uh, the theme of this prayer is a uh, prayer in the midst of hopelessness and depression. And uh, the introduction says that our prayers should fit into what we know is consistent with God's character and God's plan. And um, when, I, when I think of our relationship with God, I, I, wanna, I always like to think of it in the context of, of God's character. Most of the time, you know, if we, we know characters, right? He's seated by one. And uh, we know character. But in what is God's character? What is God really like? And most of the time we have a distorted image of God and of his character because we try to, we try to understand God within the context of who we are and within the context of a human character. But whenever we, whenever we look at the scriptures and we find the character of God, you know, it'd be like asking, asking you, have, have, you um, forget, have you ever had a bad thought? Yeah, okay. I was just wondering. I wasn't quite sure if you were God or not. Have you ever had a bad thought? And the answer is yes. Well, guess what? God has never had a bad thought about you. Never. Not one. So you see, just, just the idea of thought. How about forgiving? God, God knows all of the sins that... You know, this is one of my, my things, you know. God knows all the sins that I'm ever going to commit in my life in the future, and comes back to this moment and loves me for who I am. Now, if you knew how bad somebody was going to treat you for their entire life and come back to this moment and you say, do you love me? It's like, no. Do you know what you're going to do to me in the future? (laughs) Do you know what you're going to say to me? You know, some of you remember everything that happened in the past, you know. None of those here, I'm sure. But uh, the idea is we're so apt at remembering, you know, all the bad things that we have a hard time letting go of the bad things that happen in our life. Can you imagine knowing all of the bad things, knowing all the future bad things, and coming to this moment and saying, Honey, I love you. You know, it's like some of us would have a hard time with that. Well, God doesn't. So understanding the character of God is so important. Understanding the character of God, because in understanding the character of God, we then begin to formulate our thoughts about God and formulate our thoughts about who He is and what He is and how He works and how the... (coughs) (laughs) I need... Yeah. But but we, 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 we have to have... A form, formula, you know, it's like, I can't imagine God, well, that's great. You can't imagine, because that's, you can't, we can't. That's why we have to use the scriptures. So, when David is writing this psalm, he's writing it from the, a, a context of the character of God. All right, so, Psalm 143, verse 1, and read to, read to verse 10. O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. 
Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go, for to you I will lift up my soul. Rescue me from mine enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God, and may your good spirit lead me on level ground. Thank you. Verse 10, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. Isn't it something how that if you are going to school, you are going there to be taught. You have instructors, teachers uh, that are hopefully skilled (laughs) in their profession and are able to teach you about the, the class, the subjects, or whatever it may be that you're taking. What about the will of God? What about the purpose of God and how that God wants to teach us about being receptive and being like Him? Now, we would think, what are the, how, many, how many possibilities are there of doing good? How many possibilities are there of doing good? So can you imagine God writing a book from the perspective, these are all the good things I want you to do. But in, 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 in reality, we know that he's kind of flipped that, and he has said, I've given you ten commands. I've given you ten commandments. The commandments are to protect you and provide for you, and we know that four of them deal with our relationship with God, and six deal with our relationship with people. If you will keep these base, if you will keep from doing these basic ten things wrong, if you will keep from doing them, you will protect yourself and you will set yourself free to do all the limitless good that you can do in your life. <laughs> and you know, sometimes we would look at it. Well, give me a list of what you want me to do. Well, when we think about loving and caring for someone and doing good for them, how much? possibilities are there. The possibilities of doing good for people are limitless. But we notice that to do evil comes down to just a few basic principles. If we, if we stay away from them, we don't do them. To hurt ourselves and to hurt others. Now, in Proverbs chapter 6, verses uh, 16 to 19... It says, um, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, 
feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissensions among his brothers. Now, pretty straightforward and simple, isn't it? That a proud look, where it says here, uh, haughty eyes, a proud look, and I was, and I was, I was, I was looking at this, and again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, you say, well, well, teach me to do your will, O oh God. Well, how is it that God is teaching us to do his will, and you're talking about these negative things? Well, you see, the will of God is so limitless, and, and that the possibilities are so great, that there is no way I can even touch the, the scale of where we should go in this. But yet, if we would just look at a few um, things in our life and stay away from them, we will find a way of just opening up endless possibilities to us. Endless possibilities of what we can become. And this, this um, seven things that God, God hates, they're all about lying. So if we stay away from, first, you know, before he even spot, he doesn't talk about don't murder, he says don't lie. You know, comes from pride. Pride is a, a, a false concept. We have, there's a... <clears throat> Excuse me. <sighs> no, <laughs> I just thought, thought you were waiting for that. All right. Pride is a lie. It's an unreal, and the false pride is an unrealistic self-appraisal, basically lying to ourselves. Um, then, of course, there is lying itself, a lying tongue. All right. Anybody need a definition of that? I didn't think so. All right. The, the third one is hands that shed innocent blood. Lying about, that would be lying about somebody's involvement or whatever so that you become angry at them. About, um, about a heart that devises wicked imagination. Lying thoughts. Feet that run to do evil. Lying about the desires. Lies against another, false witness, gossiping. And the seventh, he that sows discord among the brothers. So if you look at these things, what they do is they destroy relationships and they destroy how that we can feel joined and connected. The body of Christ is connected. Would, would someone like to come up here and we're going to pull on your arms, you know, try to dislocate them? Could I have a volunteer Steve, thank you. No. <laughs> no, why would we do a thing like that? Well, how many, in, in gossip and in lying and things, we're tearing people apart. And whenever we dismember someone, we're left with pieces. And whenever you're left with pieces, you generally don't even know how they go back together. So the, the, the concept here that God is saying is that you stay away from a few of these basic principles and you stay away from them and you will find yourself limiting, you know, knowing and for God to teach us his will. The Bible says you shall know the truth and what will happen whenever you know the truth? It will set you free. Then the opposite of lying is binding. Do you ever meet people that lie so much they don't know the lie they told last? You know, they lie so much that they have to lie to tell, you know, to cover up the lie that they forgot that they told. 
Now I said this one individual I knew, uh, he didn't need very much truth to be, have a good story. <laughs> he can make up a story out of anything, and there had to be very little, if no truth, in the whole thing. He, just, he could just make up a story, and, and it would sound, wow, that's pretty good. But in our life, if we know the truth and the truth of God's word, and what is the character of God, the love of God, the purpose of God, and we put that foremost in our life, and we put that in front of us, and it's from that reservoir of who God is and his character, we begin to build our life. Teach me to do your will, O God. And why would God teach us to be like him if there was something negative, evil, or wrong in his character? We wouldn't want to emulate that. We wouldn't want to become like that. So God's will, God himself, his character, is such that he desires only the best for us. He desires to separate us from our failures and our faults, forgiveness of our sins. He desires to separate us from those so that we can tap on to the very truths of our own purpose in our life so that we can become the person that God created us to be. You know, and I I know I say this a lot, but it's trying to get me to remember it, is that while we were yet, the prophet says, while you were yet in your mother's womb, God knew you and formed you. He put everything that was necessary for your success, success, in you. Now we have to tap it. Now, the, now we come along with our limited thinking and we say, well, uh, uh, success, and see what, what the problem is, how do you define the success? <laughs> you define success from your own perspective. God's perspective of success is that he created us for a very special part in his body. And every one of us have a part in God's body. And that we are to be successful in carrying that out. And if you do your, if you fulfill, I fulfill my purpose, God has a reward for us. God will reward us. Why? Because I have completed the purpose. Paul said, I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. It's okay for me to go home now. You know? So God has a purpose. God's purpose God's will applies to every one of us. God has a will for every one of us. And God has a plan for every one of us. Now, I, I want, I know this is a class, this class, class. You know, we, I know, I never, I wouldn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> I would be in jail if I were a teacher. <laughs> They would have arrested me and thrown away the key for child abuse. <laughs> I only hit the kid once. <laughs> so, but anyhow, my purpose was not, I like to teach, but I don't think I would like to teach kids. I guess I got kids, huh? I got a whole bunch. I mean, in a classroom setting where you can't, where they can't come forward and say, Daddy, I want to go home. <laughs> Where's the... Uh, Lucas at Lucas. Where's Lucas at when I need him? You know, yeah. he always knows when to come forward and say, "Daddy, I want to go home. Church is over." So I want us to repeat the words: "I have a purpose. I have a 
Ready? I have a purpose. Ready? I have a purpose. Do you believe it? I have a purpose. Okay, choir. He's <laughs> preaching to the choir there. Um, do you have a purpose? Do you have a purpose? Do you believe you have a purpose? You don't sound like it. Do you have a purpose? That's better. Yeah, there we go. Everybody say, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Why? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I just, you told me I did, you know. Why do you have a purpose? You and I have a purpose because God breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul. Take this out of Sunday school lesson. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about how that the Holy, how the Holy Spirit is 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 active in you know we're talking it's a series on the Holy Spirit do it that way. In creation, God created us and He breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul. Our spirit, human spirit, spirit of there. Now, when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, it is a perfect match. It's a perfect fit because it matches the Spirit that that God created. And so whenever you combine the creativity of God and the creative spirit of God that formulated us from the very beginning and placed all the stuff inside of us that we need, and that comes together with His Spirit, it's something goes on. The Bible says that His Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, that we're children of God. God will make it real to us in our hearts. This is really true. This is right. This is life. Whether I live or whether I die, I belong to God. My sins are forgiven because I ask God to forgive me and live within my heart. See, this matches. This is where the perfect match comes. But if we don't understand the character of God... We've got a few things canceled out here and we're trying to force God into a mold that God isn't. And that's why if we understand the character of God and the purpose of God and we put that together with who we are as an individual in our spirit and know that truth, it matches. It's whenever it doesn't match, it's generally we're the ones who have a closed spirit to God's spirit because we think, Well, that's not what God is like. Well, we don't understand the character of God according to his scripture. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to know your will, O God. Teach me to know your will. We have a divine instructor. We have a divine instructor who knows exactly how you tick. (laughs) He knows exactly how you think. He knows exactly where you've come from how you've got here. And the great thing is, he knows where we're going. And he wants to prepare us. God wants to prepare our spirit so that we can be that creative individual, that we can ignite that stuff, that DNA, that those things going on in our brains and in our heart, that that can ignite all of that to fit into the uniqueness of his spirit. And that we find our special purpose. 
that special, that uniqueness. When I hear, hear the word special, I remember when uh, David and Rachel were younger. Well, no, they were in college. They were in college, so that's younger. Yeah, Rachel was in college. David, she, she, she knows a story I'm going to use even before I can say something. Keeps me straight. <clears throat> so anyhow, Rachel's in college, and one of David's friends comes up to, you know, Rachel's, you know, you, know, you, you just see Rachel for a little bit, but, you know, she was always this vivacious, happy, cheerleader <laughs> personality, you know. So she wasn't just a cheerleader at a cheerleading, she was just cheerleader. And whenever she was working with special needs kids, she's their cheerleader, okay? She's just, you know, all this stuff. So anyhow, she's her, you know, she didn't get it from me. She's this, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, spirit fingers! <laughs> Enthusiastic, that's it. Spirit fingers, you know. <laughs> I've been around cheerleaders too long. All right. So anyhow, one of, my, one of David's friends comes up to, to uh, him one day and he goes, David, is your sister special? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, she's a pretty special girl. And he says, no, 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 I meant special. <laughs> he wanted to know she was not all together up there <laughs> because she was so happy all the time. <laughs> but, you know... But what happens whenever the uniqueness of who we are is matched with the uniqueness of God's Spirit touching our lives, it ignites inside of us that person that we were created to be. I believe that Christians should be the most creative people on the planet because the creative Spirit of God matches the Spirit that's inside of us. And that, that uniqueness ignites what God has, you know, it's like the firing off of the things in our brain, you know, electrodes and all that stuff that keep things, keeps it all connected and it all makes sense. And we get to see the picture that nobody else sees because of the unique insight that we have. And you see that when you go back to our own, the will of God for our own, play, for our own life, the Bible says, in all things give thanks. That's a hard one. In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's a difficult one. How is it that we can give thanks? Because there is a uniqueness. Apples of gold and settings of silver. There is a wisdom that comes to our life Paul in prison, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. There's a uniqueness of security that comes to us in the difficult places of life. There's a, you know, teach me to do your will, O oh God. Teach me to do your will. How is God going to teach us if we're not connected? What happens to a teacher who is not connected to their students? It's just a lot of information. And the student is left to process it and put it in there. In there. But whenever we look at our relationship with Christ, 
there is a connectedness that comes on. Why? Because Jesus was willing to die for us while we were yet his enemies, while we were yet estranged from him, while we were without hope and and lost. He died for us. He loved us. He called us. You did not choose me, the scripture says. I I chose you. I called you. I made you. I formulated. I formed you in your in your womb, in the mother's womb, and I know who you are. And I know exactly who you are on the inside out, and I know exactly what you can become. And I love you for being you. <laughs> I love you for being you. You don't have to be anybody else. Just you. That's the Spirit of God connecting with our spirit. That we are one with God. And that we will be one for an eternity. And it's begun already. It's begun now. Teach me to do your will, O God. Teach me to understand and teach me to to understand your word. To pray. I don't pray as, meaning I think as Christians, we don't pray as someone directing God. We pray as someone connected to God. And his word comes to give us life. And we are inspired by that word to pray for special needs in our life. And nothing is selfish. If it has to do with you, if your children come to you, it, you know, and the scripture says, if your child comes and asks for a, a piece of bread, you're going to give them a scorpion or a stone? Well, no. Well, if you being earthly know how to give good things to your children, how much more so does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those who are His? How much more so does God know how to give good into our lives? So therefore, whatever we ask for, And if it's selfish, guess what? We're going to know it. But we're going to be able to ask. Why? Because my father doesn't mind me talking to him. (laughs) My father wants to teach me about his will. My father wants to teach me about my purpose. My father loves me so much he can't take his eyes off of me. <laughs> My father loves me more than I can ever imagine. Why? <laughs> because that's his character. It's just who he is. Well, what does he want in return? Only my good. What does he want out of me? Only my best. Because he knows what I was created for, and he knows that I will find my greatest happiness in fulfilling his will for my life. He knows that my greatest moments of fulfillment will come as a person when I'm connected to him. His word, his life. God has a plan. I have a purpose. 
Hello? Can we say that? I have a purpose. Again? The reason for that is we're connected to the one who breathed life into us and made us a living soul. Amen? Now you want me to preach my sermon. (laughs) I got to page two. (laughs) But see, that's where, and again, It's just the idea that God has a purpose for us. And we don't realize that purpose until we're connected. And when we're connected, God has a way of working it into our lives. Teach me to do your will, O God. Teach me to do. And that's why I must know the character of the one that is teaching me. Because if I have a distorted view of the character of God, I will have a distorted view of what he's trying to tell me. That's why we cannot make God after our image. We are making, allowing God to be, by his word, created after his own image. And his spirit then comes together to teach us his ways. The Bible says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and your ways, my ways than your ways. There is no way that we can attain unto that. But God has come, what for? To give us his life and to inspire those thoughts in our heart so that we can, so that we can elevate who we are and we, that we can get out of this wherever we're at and continue to grow in our personal growth and development. When will we ever stop growing? Never. <laughs> when will we ever stop learning? Never. When will I know it all? If you think you do, you're already quit. (laughs) You're already done. (laughs) I already know it all. Okay, have a nice life. Uh, (laughs) But we're all in that process of growth and development, and we will never stop growing. We will never stop maturing. We will never stop becoming the person that God wants us to be. And, and every life experience, every year, every new thing will come and teach us something different. And we'll see it differently and it'll be re- flipped and rearranged, but that spirit that is connected to us will always be our anchor. It will always be our hope. Christ is a solid rock upon which I stand. And that security and that strength of that purpose of God in my life, why well, will not be shaken. One story, and I'll close with this. The story about a sailor was his, uh, this is back in the old days with the sails on sailors and sails on boats, okay? It was his first, first time out at sea, and we, they, came, they encountered a storm. He was sent up the mask to trim the sail. As he's going up the mask, he loses his confidence, and he begins to look down. an, An older sailor is watching him and says, don't look down, always look up, because then you will gain your perspective and not lose your balance. Always look up. Because sometimes we begin to see the shaking of life 
in the storms. But as we look up, we have a sense of where we're going. And as we're always, as we, as we approach the sun, we never are caught in the shadow. Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, will never abandon us to the shadows of life.